Hallelujah. What's your 58? And the Nephilim and the children of Solomon's servants were 392. And these were the ones who came up from Tel Melah, Tel Hasha, Cherub, Adan, and Emmer. But they could not identify their father's house or their genealogy, whether they were of Israel. The sons of Deliah, the sons of Tobiah, the sons of Nakoda, 652. And of the sons of the priests, the sons of Habiah, the sons of Koz, the sons of Bazaliel, who took a wife of the daughters of Bazaliel, the Gileadite, and was called by their name. These sought their listing among those who were registered by genealogy, but they were not found. Therefore, they were excluded from the priesthood as defiled. And the governor said to them that they should not eat of the most holy things till a priest could consult the Urim and Thummim. The whole assembly together was 42,360 Besides their male and female servants, of whom there were 7,337, and they had 200 men and women singers, their horses, all of their livestock, all of that was numbered. 68 says, some of the heads of the fathers' houses, when they came to the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem, offered freely for the house of God to to erect it in its place. According to their ability, they gave the treasury for the work 61,000 gold drachmas, 5,000 minyas of silver, and 100 priestly garments. So the priests and the Levites, some of the people, the singers, the gatekeepers, and the Nephilim dwelt in the cities and all Israel. I know that's a long to the proven faithfulness of God. Amen. I know that's a long title. <laughs> Responding properly to God's proven faithfulness. Tell your neighbor you got to respond properly to God's proven faithfulness. Amen. And you'll see how all of this ties together because most people skip over genealogies and don't see any use for them. But you'll see how all of this speaks to us today. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you that when your word goes forth, it will not return to you void, but it will, it will accomplish all that you desire. Thank you that you prosper your word in the things that you sent your word to. Now, Lord, anoint me afresh to God that I might preach your word. Give me clarity of thought and clarity of speech. Anything you've not given me to write down, reveal to me, Father. And anoint me to speak that, God, according to your oracles, that your people might be blessed. Have your way now. Bless your people, that we will be alert, that we will be attentive, that we will receive your word as your anointing rests on our lives to destroy the yokes and remove the burdens. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Responding properly to God's proven faithfulness. Amen. We often say that God is faithful. How many of us have said that? Amen. Uh, we sing about his faithfulness. 
Much of Scripture speaks about God's faithfulness. And in my life and the lives of so many others in this sanctuary today, we know for a fact that God is faithful. Last Sunday, the, the, the sounds of the tabernacle sang very skillfully and movingly. They sang to the Lord about his faithfulness. Amen. And, and after, after reading the book of Ezra, these first chapters in Ezra again, the Lord kept ministering to me about the importance of every believer being able to speak about the proof of his faithfulness. Amen. And I hope that makes sense to you. If it doesn't, I hope it makes sense as we go on. <clears throat> not, only, not only do we need to say that God is faithful, we need to be able to give scriptural and personal evidence that the Lord is faithful. Amen. All right? You see, it's easy to, to recite the things or repeat the things about God that someone else has said. Yeah, it's easy for me to talk about God being faithful because I've heard it in a song. It's easy for me to talk about God being faithful because I heard my mother talk about it, my dad and my sisters or my brothers or some of the other people talk about it. But there should come a time in my life that I talk about God's faithfulness because I know for myself. There's proof in my own life that God is, has been faithful. Amen, 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 amen. It's crucial to your own faith and to your own witness that you have scriptural and that you have personal evidence of, of God's faithfulness. Amen? Amen. Of course, faithful is, 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 is uh, it comes from the root word faith. Amen? And we know, that, we know that we are not simply tied to a religion. Amen? Called Christianity. We are connected to a faith. We're connected by faith to a faith designated as Christianity. Amen. Christianity is a faith. Our faith is in Jesus Christ. Amen. The Christ of God, God's Messiah. Amen. Our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We are convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt. Amen. That Christ lived according to what the Scripture says. Amen. That he was crucified according to what the Scripture says. That he was buried in a tomb for three nights, according to what the Scripture says, amen, we are convinced based on evidence, amen, based on eyewitness accounts that God raised him from the dead on the third day, amen, amen, according to what the Scripture says and according to, the, uh, to history. We're convinced based on efforts by the Roman authorities uh, to cover up his resurrection. We're convinced that he's alive. Amen. Amen. Why would they try to cover it up if it was not true? You don't have to cover up something that didn't happen. Amen. Are you understanding where I'm going? Amen. We're convinced based on the fact that no one would die to perpetuate a lie. Have you ever thought about it? Those disciples gave their very lives. Amen. But why would they do it if this was a lie? Why would you be thrown to wild dogs, amen? Why would you be thrown to lions, amen? Why would you be drawn and quartered? Why would they put a flint with nails on it down your throat and then pull it back out? Why would you submit yourself to that if you were perpetuating a lie, amen? We're convinced. We're convinced, glory to God, based because followers of Christ have increased from 12 disciples to 120 in the upper room to untold billions of people around the world today. Amen? We're convinced about our faith. Amen? 
And most of us should be convinced because we've had personal encounters with the living Lord Jesus Christ in our very lives. Amen. Amen. This faith is not a fly-by-night thing. Amen. Amen. It's been proven over and over. It's been proven over time amidst evil reports and amidst good reports. It's been proven over time against attempts and efforts to stamp it out. Amen. Amen. This is not a fly-by-night thing. Efforts to, dec- to, to, to discredit the faith. Amen. They've not been able to do it. This faith is still standing. Amen. It is still strong. And, and it's basically because God continues in every generation to prove himself faithful. Amen. God continues in every generation. I didn't say in every life. Amen. God will prove himself to you if you're open to him to prove himself to you. Sometimes God does things and people don't recognize because their minds are not there. Amen. Amen. Have you ever missed something because you were thinking about something else? You're riding down the highway and you're supposed to take a certain turn and then you get distracted and you miss your turn. There are so many people that miss things, spiritual things, because they're distracted by other things. So you can't say God is not faithful because you haven't experienced him. Where were you when God was moving? Where were you when God was doing some things in your life? Where was your mind? What had your attention? You said, Bishop, I can't keep my mind on the Lord all the time. Well, that might be the problem. <laughs> Hallelujah. That just might be the problem. Here you are driving, and you can't keep your eyes on the road. You're texting. We got all of these new things to distract us. Amen. And they do distract us. So there are a lot of things that distract us, amen, from seeing the faithfulness of God in our lives. But, but it, it's critical. It's critical that, that me, that you, that every believer, it's critical that we know that God is faithful. Your faith may start out just as belief. You believe the gospel. You believe the word. You believe the testimony of others. But it's critical that it moves from belief to experience. So that you know beyond the shadow of a doubt who God is and that God is faithful. Amen? Your experience gives you footing. Your experience gives you foundation and gives foundation and power to your faith. Amen. 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 Your experience will be like wind beneath the wings of your faith. Amen. That will take your faith to another level. When you start experiencing God for yourself, amen, it's one thing to hear about God and to hear us singing about God. It's one thing to sing the songs. It's one thing to sing that the Lord is your faith, is your shepherd, and, 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 and that your victory is in Jesus. But it's totally another thing to experience victory, to experience victory in Jesus. In the same way, we're faithful of God's faithfulness. You need to encounter God's faithfulness in your life. This is the reason that proof of God's faithfulness is so critical. There's a lot of talk among Christians and are not enough proof behind the talk. Amen. 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 It's not enough proof behind the talk. And it's not that God doesn't want to prove himself. God will prove himself. God will prove himself. 
But the wonderful thing about God is that he's waiting on an opportunity to prove himself to his children. So if you've never encountered God, just hear that he's waiting on you. Amen. If you've never seen the faithfulness of God at work in your life, in your family, he's waiting on you. Amen. God is a personal God. He's, a, he's You know, the old people say he sits high and he looks low. But that's not the God that we serve. God is a personal God. God engages his people. Hallelujah. God reveals himself to his people. Amen. Because we are his witnesses in the world today, and we can truly be his witnesses just by telling what somebody else said. We need to be, God will engage us so that our witness even becomes real to us. You can't, you cannot, you cannot in my life discredit the fact that God is real. You cannot tell me that God doesn't move. You cannot tell me that God won't heal. You cannot tell me that God won't make a way in my financial situation. You cannot tell me and convince me that God won't help me in the midst of my struggles. Can't do it because I've known from my own experience with God. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, yes. 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 God has proven himself faithful. Sometimes I just sit back and think about, you know, I think about how I was raised up. You know, you know, when we look at ourselves today and we're struggling and we got all, we're working good jobs and we're struggling. I look back and, and look at my daddy, you know, and, and had 11 children and mama didn't work outside of the house. You know, we didn't have the finest of houses. We didn't have the finest of clothes. Maybe that's our problem. We didn't have the finest of clothes, you know. We didn't have a whole lot of different vehicles. And, you know, I remember Mama having to take clothes to Winsboro, a, a pumpwood truck loaded with clothes, going to wash clothes. I remember seeing her down at the spring, and some of the ladies in the community would come and help her wash clothes. I know that sounds odd and strange and foreign to us. Amen. But I, but I saw God's faithfulness in my parents' life. And I saw how my parents, amen, were able to raise 11 children and we never went hungry. We never were cold in the winter. At, at Glory, we might have been hot in the summer. <laughs> because there was no air conditioning. Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. And I saw how they were able to send those of us who wanted to go to college. We were able to go to college. I saw the hand of God. Man, sometimes I look back over my life. I look at days when I was in seminary, in school, wondering how I got there. You know, wondering, you know, looking back and wondering how I'm ended up in seminary with only three thousand dollars in college loans. Wow. And now, folk graduate from college and have sixty-five and a hundred thousand dollars house payment, cost of a house in college loans. Wondering how I got there. Wondering, here I am, number five and 11 children, and, and knowing mom and dad didn't have money to send to me when I was away from home, but I had a car to drive and gas in my car. And if I ran out of money, somebody would come by and put some money in my pocket. You tell me God is not faithful. You tell me God can't make a way out of no way. Are you hearing me? But you got, you got to have some experiences. 
Amen. Amen. Some of y'all don't want to suffer. You better expect some suffering in your life. You better expect some lack in your life. Amen. You, you need some lack in your life because when you lack, then it gives God an opportunity to make up for the lack one day. And you see the increase that God will bring in your life. Oh, there's a gospel that's being preached today that says we should never have lack, that we should never be sick, that we should never go through. That's a lie from Satan. All who will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Birds have nests. Foxes have holes. But the Son of Man doesn't have anywhere to lay his head. Yeah, you ought to thank God for lack sometimes. Oh, Lord have mercy. Yeah, you ought to thank God sometimes when your bills are not being able to be paid. Just stop and say, God, I thank you. Mm, because the Bible says, in everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. If there's sickness in your body, rather than crying, stop and say, God, I thank you. Hallelujah. Because I know that I'm still alive. And as long as there's strength in my body, you are Jehovah Rapha. You are the God who heals. You make a way out of no way. Oh, my, 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 my. And let God prove himself to you. Glory to God. Amen. We're working. We're working hard so that we can make it, so that we can do, so that we can have. And we're taking ourselves away from allowing God to make a way out of the way. Consequently, some of y'all won't give. Because you feel like you got this bill to pay, and you got that bill to pay, and you got to go here on vacation, and you got to go there on a family trip. But you got to let God. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. God is a personal God. God wants to reveal himself to you, but you got to get out of the way. Oh, Lord, have mercy. You said, Bishop, you telling us we can't have? I didn't say you couldn't have. But you can't. You can't put yourself in a position where you want so much stuff that it blocks you from doing the things for God that you need to do. Ah, Lord, have mercy. Whew. I learned in studying about missions, you've heard me say this before, that we have to learn to live like you know, we have to put ourselves in a position where we live like we're get, we, we want to advance God's kingdom. So that means I can't continue to get stuff. Things so that I can give more to the kingdom. I put myself in a position where God can bless me with more. Well, at least with the things I need. See, you know what? When the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added. You will never know how he can add things until you really start seeking first his kingdom. As long as you're seeking the things, he can't add to you. You know, Jesus couldn't do many miracles in Nazareth because of the people's unbelief. And it's the same way in the body of Christ today. You know, people's unbelief in the scriptures caused them to do things to make way for themselves. So you want another job. What do you want it for? Maybe ask yourself that question. 
What do you want it for? Do you want to give more to the kingdom? Oh, if you want to give more to the kingdom, maybe the Lord will open the door. If you just want to have more things, God has, he's not bound to do anything for you because what he's done for you already, you're not appreciative of it. You just want more. I've seen little children do this. I saw this the other day, so I won't, I won't mention the name. I saw this the other day. Nothing bad, but little children would do this, and we've all done it when it's something we want, okay? You've eaten, and you had enough, but it's something you want. You want some ice cream, or you want some apple pie, and you're already full. And little children now, little children. And parents say, you had enough, aren't you full? Yeah, but... That's room. <laughs> because it's something you want. And we're like that. God has blessed us, but we want more. We don't need it, but we want it for ourselves. We don't want it for the kingdom. And, and, and to, to continue the analogy, you know, if not for wise parents, Children would be sick because they would eat and eat and eat and eat and eat. And now they're either in the bathroom throwing up or they got a stomachache. Understand? Thank God for his wisdom. Hmm. I don't know where all of that. It wasn't in the message for today. Amen. Are you understanding me? Yeah, 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 yeah. God is a personal God, and God wants to, God wants you to encounter him. God wants to reveal himself to you, but we have to be open to him, and we have to put ourselves in a position deliberately. Deliberately. We have to think, because the devil is going to present all kind of stuff to us. But we have to know, say no sometimes. So, so I can be in a place where I can encounter God, where I can be in a place where I can hear God, where I can be in a place where I can see God. Hallelujah. In our text that's given for today, and the context, we see God's faithfulness. Amen. We see God's faithfulness to the Jews. Take note that, that they've been in exile for at least 70 years as a result of punishment for, for their apostasy and their disobedience as a nation. And God used the nation of Babylon. We, we talked about this last week. And those of you who study the Bible, you know this is the truth. God used the nation of Babylon to attack, to defeat, and to destroy Judah. Destroyed the, the holy city of Jerusalem. Burned, tore the walls down. Burned the gates. Destroyed, excuse me, destroyed the temple. Amen? Y'all still here? Yes. All right. Destroyed the temple. Amen? And so then, then Babylon destroyed the temple, ex exiled the people, took the people into exile took them back to Babylon, spread them out in the nation of Babylon. Not just in one city, but spread around the country. All right? Then Babylon is defeated by Persia. All right? Now they're under the dominion of a new foreign nation and a new foreign king. And as we said last week, I'm sure that in the, in the minds and thoughts of many of the people, there was no hope for them ever returning to their homeland. Definitely no thought of rebuilding their beloved holy city and the holy temple. But God, God is faithful. Tell your neighbor, God is faithful. And God proved his faithfulness to his people. 
Amen? Amen. He made what seemed to be an impossible situation not only possible, but made it become a reality. Amen. And remember, as you look at this, it's not because of any human effort. All right? God did use humans, but it wasn't because that they thought about doing this and they came up with the resources to get this done. It was all God's orchestration and all God's implementation. Amen. 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 He proved himself faithful. So how did he do it? Well, he proved himself faithful by making his word a reality. The word that had been prophesied, do you realize that when prophets speak, a true prophet speaks the oracles of God? So it's not them speaking. It's not their message. It's God's message. So when we hear prophecy, let's never think that's just a man speaking. Amen. We got to hear this is God speaking. Amen. So, so if, you, if you would, if you would look to, with me in Isaiah chapter 44, if you're there, if you can get there right quick. When I get there, I'll start reading. Uh, chapter 44, verse <clears throat> 24, uh, it says, Thus saith the Lord, your Redeemer, and he who formed you from the womb. I am the Lord who makes all things, who stretches out the heavens all alone, who spreads abroad the earth by myself, who frustrates the signs of the babblers and drives diviners mad, who turns wise men backward and makes their knowledge foolishness, who confirms the word of his servant and performs the counsel of his messengers, who says, who says to Jerusalem, you shall be inhabited. To the cities of Judah, you shall be built. And I will raise up her waste places. Who says to the deep, be dry. And I will dry up your rivers. Who says to Cyrus, he is my shepherd. And he shall perform all my pleasure. Saying to Jerusalem, you shall build. And to the temple, your foundation shall be laid. You can read on what God said to Cyrus. Jeremiah 16. Praise the name of Jesus. You can turn that with me. Verse 15. Amen. Hallelujah. And it reads, But the Lord lives who brought up the children of Israel from the land of the north and from all the lands where he had driven them. For I will bring them back into their land which I gave to their fathers. God said it through the prophet. And what did God do? Well, if you look and read in Ezra 1, it says, Now, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord might, by the mouth of Jeremiah, might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom, and also put it in writing, saying, Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, all the kingdoms of the earth, the Lord of heaven has given me, and he has commanded me, did Isaiah prophesy it, and he has commanded me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Who is among you of all his people? May his God be with him, and let him go up and build the house of the Lord, God of Israel. He is the Lord, and whoever is left, in any place where he dwells, let the men of his place help him and with silver and gold, with goods and livestock, 
besides the free will offerings for the house of God, which is in Jerusalem. God said it and God did it. We serve a faithful God. We serve a faithful God. I read that so you can see it. Amen? We talk about it, but you need to see it. And sometimes we ought to write down in our lives. You ought to make a record of God's promises to you and then the fulfillment of those promises. So you can go back. And maybe you can share it with your children and your grandchildren and say, look, at this particular point in time, I asked God for this, and this is when God did it. Because people need to see the record of God's faithfulness. They're hearing us talk, but they're not seeing the record. Whew. We serve a faithful God. And as we serve a faithful God, we have to know that neither time nor man's interference can prevent what God has ordained. I'll say it again. It doesn't matter how long it has taken God to do what he said he was going to do. God will do it. Time will not interfere with it. Are you hearing me? Amen. No man can interfere with what God has purposed to do in your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just as God was faithful to those that are recorded in the history of his word, God will be faithful to us. The question is, how do we respond properly to God's proven faithfulness? What do we see in this context? Amen. In this text today. Praise the name of Jesus. Well, first of all, as you look at chapter 2, verse 1, amen, the word says, now these are the people of the provinces who did what? Anybody there with me? Oh, y'all not there. Who came back? Somebody say they came back. Do you get the connection? Now, 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 now God has said that he was going to restore, that he was going to rebuild. He stirs the heart of Cyrus to provide the resources. Do you realize that God didn't tie their hand? Do you realize that they were not forced to go back? They came back. They came back with their possessions. They came back, Ezra 2, 1, and 62 and 63, came back with 42,260 42, people, 7,337 servants, 200 singers. Somebody say singers. singers. Say the singers came back. And their livestock. So, so now, 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 what are you saying, Bishop? God ordained it, but we are free moral agents. We can choose to obey, or we can choose to disobey. Do you know that there were more than more than fifty thousand people who were taken into exile? But only about 50,000 came. I think I added it up the other day. I didn't add it up uh, last night. But over, this number gives us about 50,000 people. But there were more that had been taken into exile. Some of them. Somebody say some of them. I'm going to talk about some of them in a few minutes. Just wait on this. Yeah. Some of them is important. Yeah, 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 yeah. They came back. They came back. God had been faithful. God had proven his faithfulness. They saw God's hand at work 
in, in, this, in, in that situation uh, because of what was happening, because what was happening was the fulfillment of prophecy. Amen, amen. So when the word of God came to go back, they responded appropriately. They obeyed the Lord. So when you look at God's faithfulness, that needs to be an appropriate response. Amen. You just don't say hallelujah. You obey. Mm. Amen. They actually left where they had settled and began to go back to the place that God had ordained them to be. I read that. And this is what the Lord showed me. Listen now. Don't get distracted at this point. Some of us, some of you, have settled somewhere spiritually. But it's not what God has ordained for you to be. Listen now. This is, you need to get this point. Because stuff happens in your life. You might be taken into exile. You might be attacked by the enemy. Listen good now. And you get to that place and you settle there. But that's not what God has ordained for you to be. So many Christians have settled somewhere where they should not be. You settled in sin and you shouldn't be there. You settled in disobedience and you shouldn't be there. You settled in an ungodly relationship and you shouldn't be there. You settled for second best and you shouldn't be there. You settled for financial poverty and you should not be there. Where you have settled is not what God has ordained for you to be. So to respond properly to God's faithfulness, you have to get up from where you are. Nobody can make you. You are a free moral agent. You make choices for yourself. They got up and they came back. So they came back. They saw God's faithfulness. And they responded. And then when they came back, they came back. They brought everything that was valuable in their lives. They brought everything that was valuable to them in their lives. They came, and the Bible says that when they came, there were 42,360 Israelites. They came. Now, we're going to come back and talk about that in just a minute. Besides them, their male and female servants, of whom there were 7,337. And they had 200 men and women singers. Their horses were 736. Their mules, 245. Their camels, 435. And their donkeys, so, 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 uh, uh, that says to me that they came back to stay. They had no plans of returning. Listen, these people got to walk 1,250 miles. 
some of us, we're not going to walk 24 miles t- from Rock Hill to York. <laughs> no, I won't make it that far. Some of us ain't going to walk around Cherry Park a mile and a half. For our health. Um, that, that's neither here nor there. But notice, they brought with them those things that were important. They brought their servants. They brought things that pertain to worship. It's interesting that it is recorded that they brought back 200 singers, men and women. They brought back the silver and the gold that was used in the temple worship, the articles of the temple worship. I didn't read that part early on in chapter 1. They brought it back with them. They brought back things for their livelihood. They were coming back to stay, never to return. What are the spiritual implications of this for us? If we're going to respond properly to God's faithfulness in our lives, we have to do it by yielding our entire selves to him, withholding nothing. How do we come back to God and engage the work of the kingdom? We yield our total selves to him and not leave room for Satan to pull us away again. You know, don't leave room. When you come back, come back. When you get engaged again, get engaged. Pastor, what do you mean don't leave room? You can't have, you can't have this attitude. I don't like this person. I don't get along with that person. I'm just being real. You, you, you got to move past this church ain't doing nothing. When you got evidence that the church is. Maybe you're not engaged. And maybe you have gifts and abilities that you need to engage and, and, and do something with it. You got to move back. You got you to gotta give up this attitude of, well, nobody asked me. God asked you. Some of us in the church, just like these preachers, and I'm on Facebook Live, they said God didn't tell them to go into other countries and preach the gospel. And the Bible says, go ye therefore into all nations and preach the gospel to every creature. And I ask, how many ways does God have to say go? How many? God didn't call you to missions. You're alive, and the truth is not in you. God gave you gifts. God gave you, God gave you abilities. And now somebody got to beg you. When you're supposed to come and present, the Bible says, bring your tithes. Bring your gifts. Present them. You got to move beyond. I wasn't accepted. Lord have mercy. Well, you might not have been accepted the first time, but you go back and present yourself again. Just go back and present yourself again. How many of y'all tried out for, for, for band the first time and missed it? Or tried out for the basketball team the first time and missed it? Or tried out for something the first time and you kept practicing you went back? But we'll do it for the world. We'll do it for the world. We'll do a whole lot of things for the world. You couldn't dance. 
You went to the nightclub and they asked you to dance and you didn't have the right step, but you went home and got in front of your television and you found somebody to teach you to move. Some of y'all tried smoking the first time and almost choked to death, but you kept on trying until you learned how to puff it right. You'll do it for the world. First time you drunk liquor, it burned going down. But you kept on drinking. You'll do it for the world. <laughs> Hallelujah. And some of y'all sit up here like, I ain't never drunk nothing. You drunk something. <laughs> You don't want nobody to know. You did something for the world. You ain't been saved all your life. None of us been saved all our lives. That's the stuff if the story was told, we'd <laughs> Oh, Lord, have mercy. Help us today. And you know, I was thinking as I was writing, amen, and this song came to me earlier this morning, withholding nothing, I surrender all to you. Everything I give to you, withholding nothing, I surrender all to you, everything. Everything I give to you. So when I come back, God, I'm not, I'm not going to withhold anything. I'm coming back with everything I have that's valuable. That stuff that's invaluable, I'm going to push it aside. You know, all those bad attitudes, you got to get rid of. All those excuses, you got to get rid of. Amen. All that not willing to suffer, you got to get rid of. Because if you're going to follow Christ, you're going to suffer. And sometimes God will use people to cause you to suffer. Some people will be a thorn in your flesh. Because God is doing something in you. God is trying to mature you. Because that's something in you that you don't see yet. Lord, have mercy. Ooh, Lord, have mercy. Oh, if people would just only hear God. Phew. The last thing I want to share with you, amen, praise the name of Jesus. I like preaching for an hour. Amen. <laughs> Y'all might as well laugh because you're going to get it. Amen. I'm almost done. Praise the name of Jesus. Let me make sure this is the last thing. Hallelujah. Amen. The last thing I want to share with you, from this text, and I, and I really struggle over this text because I didn't see how I could preach God's, about responding properly to God's faithfulness from this text. But this is what the Lord showed me. You know, he said, people made sure that they were included. Not just in the return, but also in the rebuilding. Now, you can read this in Ezra and Nehemiah. Now, now as I was looking at this, and I want you to see uh, verse 62. I think it's verse 62. Uh, 63. Okay, 60 to 59. And, and it says, <clears throat> 58 says, All the Neph Nephthanims and the children of, Sol of Solomon's servants were 362. And then it goes on to say, And these were the ones who came up from Tel Malai and the different names. And it says, But they could not identified their father's house or their genealogy, whether they were of Israel. All right, because you remember, uh, I had to look up 
several weeks ago when I was reading about Nephthalim. I said, now, who are these people? And I think it was the, 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 was it the Gilead, Gileadites who fooled Joshua. That was a group that came to Joshua and they fooled him so they wouldn't be destroyed. And they said, we're poor and we're beggars and, you know, we've come from a far place and whatever. And they, 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 when God had said, destroy everybody, these people deceived Joshua and the children of Israel, and they accepted them. And so it's believed that these people are descendants of them, so they're not true Israelites. Okay, but the point here was that they couldn't identify their father's house or their genealogy, whether they were of Israel. Uh, and then, so then verse 62 says, they sought their listing among those who are registered by genealogy, but they were not found. Therefore, they were excluded from the priesthood as defiled. But it doesn't stop there. You see, sometimes when somebody say, well, anyhow. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes things happen to make you feel excluded. But it doesn't stop there. Verse 63 said, and the governor said to them that they should not eat of the most holy things Till a priest, till a priest could consult with the urine and the thumen. He said, we're not totally wiping you out. We're not totally, you come up with us. So we just want to make sure that we do this thing right. So just wait a minute. Somebody say, wait a minute. Listen, you can't get tired and you can't get offended when somebody says, wait a minute. Because there's something good about waiting, glory to God. Amen? There's something good in the waiting. Amen? I've had people walk away from me because they said, God called them to preach. And I said, no, wait a minute. And they left and never came back. Amen? I've got to affirm what God has spoken in your spirit if you're going to be a part of this ministry. You can go somewhere else. And they say, yes. And everybody in the church licensed to preach. The Bible says to me, lay hands suddenly on no man. So, somebody says, wait a minute. Don't get impatient. These people go out here that God called me. I don't need a man to affirm me. I don't need a man. Sometimes you wonder where all these bishops came from. Where all these apostles came from. Have you ever wondered? Somebody start preaching today, and the next minute, damn apostle of what? Don't even understand the word apostle. And then we piggyback on them. Oh, apostle is an apostle that. Go sit down somewhere. God want to send you somewhere and you can't figure out how you can go. God wants to use the apostle to uproot, to tear down, to build up, to reaffirm and you ain't yet been torn out and built up yet. Sit down somewhere. Wait a minute. We need to consult God. We need, 
Let me go a little bit further now. So y'all come back next week. Amen. Some of the people, but they were there. Somebody said some of them, but they were there. They were included in the number. And when the, when the governor said wait, they waited. But let me go a little bit further. Something else that the Lord showed me deals with the returning. And how you, how you appropriately thank God, uh, uh, respond to God's faithfulness. So, in, in, in verse 60, 68, it says, Some of the heads of the father's houses, when they came to the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem, offered freely for the house of God to erect it in this place. According to their ability, they gave to the treasury for the work 61,000 gold fragments. I didn't look up the meaning of that. I should have looked that up, Secretary. But it was gold, 61,000 gold coins. Fragment, I think, was a coin. It meant 5,000 minions of silver and 100 priestly garments. Now, there were only 42,000 people that came back. But 61,000 gold drachmas. So, so some of the heads of the father's houses, and, and we preached last week how God's going to stir up the heads of the houses. And we need God to stir up the heads of the houses. Amen? Man, if you're a head of a house, God needs to stir up your heart. And you need to be praying, God, stir my heart. And don't let me be ordinary. Amen? Don't let me be average. Stir my heart so I can lead my wife, so I can lead my family, so I can lead my children to know God. Stir my heart, God. Some of the heads of the father's houses, when they came to the house of the Lord, offered freely. And I read that. I said, Lord, then that means that everybody didn't give. God said, I said some. I always want to be included in the song. Y'all ain't getting me. Y'all didn't hear me. I, I don't know about you. I can only speak for my... Always want to be included in the song. I don't want to be a part of those that draw back. I don't want to be a part of those that don't want to be a part. I've got to draw close to God so I can always be a part of the song. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When I came to Jesus, amen, I came to Jesus. Amen. Yeah, that night when some of my friends wanted to get baptized, I wanted, but I wanted to be a part of the song. When they wanted people on the choir, I wanted to be a part of the sum. Amen. When they wanted folk on the usher board, I wanted to be a part of the sum. Amen. When, they, when I remember when they were digging the septic tank at my home church to put in an inside bathroom, I was a little boy, but I was a part of the sum. Glory to God. Amen. When they got ready to clean the graveyard, I was a part of the sum. Glory to God. I always want to be a part of the sum because God has been faithful in my life. Ooh. Yeah, be included in the psalm. I said be included in the psalm. Amen? Amen. Be included in the psalm. Amen. Don't stand on the periphery. Don't wait to be asked. Don't wait, glory to God, for somebody to ring your phone up. But be included in the psalm. Because God has been faithful. 
before they left, people were given for the rebuilding of the temple. And they walked 1,250 miles. We're going to give. Didn't say they asked him. Said, We're going to give. We're going to give. Why? Because God has been faithful. God has proven himself. All I'm saying to you, saints of God, stop looking at other people. Too many of us, too many Christians, you know, we're offended by this thing. We're hurt by the other. Come on. What has God done in your life? Where has God brought you from? What is God? How has God elevated you? Get your mind off of people. Put your mind on God. This is kingdom work. Hallelujah. At the end, when you stand before God in judgment, it is not going to be what this person did or what that person did. God is going to deal with you and you alone because you and you alone are responsible for yourself. So, respond properly to God's faithfulness in your life. Stop letting these other things distract you. Stop letting this other stuff get in your way. Give yourself totally to the Lord. Here I am. Here I stand. Lord, my life is in your hand. I give myself. Give myself. That's the only proper response. Before you bring your money, God wants you. Before you bring your voice, God wants you. Before you bring your talents, God wants you. And we have to be so careful on this journey. Because the enemy is there to pull us away and to stop us from getting there. Get into where God wants us to be. We have to be very careful when we watch the places where we've settled along the way. The things that we've accepted, the things that we've settled for, we have to be very careful. So when we get up and go back, we take everything that's valuable and leave the stuff that's no good. I want to extend an invitation today. There may be someone today.